Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have some updates to share about Donald Trump's legal issues. So first, as you all likely know, Ivanka Trump testified yesterday in the New York fraud trial. And I have to say, I'm really loving this Judge Angeron. He is a smart ass after my own heart. When Ivanka's name was announced as the next witness, he said, quote, who's she? <laughs> so Ivanka got on the witness stand. I have to say her testimony was far less entertaining than the judge. Uh, she basically denied knowing anything. And she repeatedly said, I can't recall. And she tried unsuccessfully to distance herself from the attainment of loans for the company. But as with all the other aspects of this case, the attorney general had written evidence. They literally have receipts um, tying Ivanka to these deals, to the financing. Now, of course, she's not a defendant in the case, so it won't affect her in that way. But the evidence proves that she was aware of the fact that Trump's net worth wasn't as high as what he was leading lenders to believe. So for example, in 2011, Ivanka was working to secure a loan for Trump's Doral golf course in Florida. The lender, which was Deutsche Bank, had agreed to the loan with some stipulations, with some conditions. Trump had to personally guarantee the loan and he had to maintain a net worth of at least $3 billion. Well, in an email exchange with a Trump Organization attorney named Jason Greenblatt, he expressed to Ivanka, quote, the net worth covenant and DJT indebtedness limitation would seem to me to be a problem. So Trump's own corporate attorney knew he didn't have the net worth to meet these requirements of at least $3 billion. Well, Trump had apparently told Deutsche Bank at this time that his net worth was greater than $4 billion. Whoops. Um, and then in another email exchange in 2016, Ivanka tried to pressure their longtime Deutsche Bank contact to help them obtain a loan that wouldn't be secured by any real property because they wanted to avoid an, appraise, an appraisal on the Doral golf course. Um, so Ivanka wrote, quote, thank you, Rosemary. Just to be clear, based on the note from Dave Williams below, an unsecured facility would not require an appraisal. Could you try for us to make this happen as an unsecured note? Yeah. Now, to be fair, Deutsche Bank did not do that loan. They refused. Um, they required that the loan be secured to the property, but it shows how the Trumps tried to avoid appraisals because they knew these properties weren't going to come in at the values that they were giving. And keep in mind, you know, unsecured loans carry far greater interest rates, far higher interest rates because of the enormous risk to the lender. So if the borrower defaults, they have no lien on the property. So they can't just foreclose and take the property in lieu of payment. They have to go after the borrow per borrower personally, which is much harder. And you know, we all know what happens when you try to take Trump to, to court, it just drags on. So anyway, Ivanka must have had some ginkgo biloba with her lunch, you know, when they took their lunch break in this trial, because when the trial resumed, the defense attorneys started questioning her later in the day, and all of a sudden her memory returned. The Daily Beast wrote, quote, 
she vividly recalled lunch with the family banker and described the way she overcame challenges to secure the deals she had barely remembered hours earlier. Funny how that happens. Uh, also, Alina Haba so deserve this. She got dragged on social media and she proved once again, she is not on this legal team due to her legal skills. <laughs> At one point during Ivanka's testimony, they were asking her about an email. So Haba objected and she took issue with this document being admitted into the trial. Well, it came out the Trump's legal team her own fellow attorneys and team submitted that document themselves. <laughs> it was their own evidence that they put forth during the discovery process. Yeah, bless her heart. <laughs> In other news, the Minnesota Supreme Court has dismissed the 14th Amendment case against Trump. This is the case challenging his ability to appear on the ballot in that state for the presidency. Um, it is very unfortunate, but their decision was only applicable to the primary election, not the general election. They wrote, quote, there is no state statute that prohibits a major political party from placing on the presidential nomination primary ballot or sending delegates to the national convention supporting a candidate who is ineligible to hold office. So this allows the plaintiffs to refile their case to challenge Trump's inclusion on the general election ballot. Uh, so they'll have to wait until then. Of the nine state Supreme Court justices in Minnesota, there were no dissenting opinions, surprisingly, but two of the justices abstained from the case. So the plaintiffs issued a statement which said, quote, we are disappointed by the court's decision. However, the Minnesota Supreme Court explicitly recognized that the question of Donald Trump's disqualification for engaging in insurrection against the United States Constitution may be resolved at a later stage. What worries me is how this decision will affect the other 14th Amendment cases that are currently underway and being reviewed by courts in other states. And I, you know, I personally had a change of heart about this issue. I, I once thought this is a bad idea. It's not something the court should decide. But I was listening the other day to former U.S. Appeals Court Justice Michael Ludig, and he explained the real core of this issue. Um, I, you know, I believe that the courts now should be the only ones deciding this matter because Ludig, who's a Republican, by the way, you, you guys might remember he testified before the January 6th Select Committee. I mean, he is a hardcore conservative. And he explained that this is no different than any other constitutional requirement for running for president. It is no different than the age restriction we place on someone saying you have to be at least 35 to run for president. It's not a matter of opinion. It is just a matter of what the Constitution says. You know, if a 10 year old tried to run for president, they wouldn't be allowed to do so because the Constitution says they cannot. 
then the Constitution says someone who took part in or supported, gave aid and comfort in an insurrection cannot run for president. So it is that simple. So we will see what happens. It's not looking good, though. I can't imagine that we're going to have a patchwork of different states making different judgments. But I could be wrong. We could end up with, you know, a couple of very liberal states saying, yeah, this is, you know, the way the Constitution is read. And then a bunch of conservative states going, eh, I don't want to be the one to get death threats and, you know, actually do my job. So I'm going to rule against it. Anyway, I'll keep you all posted on all of this. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please like this video, share it with everyone you know, become a subscriber if you have not, become a donor if you can. Love you all. Take care. Talk with you soon.